Hello everyone, welcome back to It's a Wonderful Podcast, the main show. And it's always very exciting on any new episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast because quite frankly it's an episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast and that should be enough to get everybody excited because how great is it? Very, yes we all know, thank you. But it's extra special exciting today. Because Nolan's back. Yay! I'm very happy. You know what I did to get back here, Morgan? What? I I walked 500 miles, and then I walked 500 more. This now sounds like I am your unrequited lover. Yes, uh, and I did that just to fall down at your door. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. I appreciate the Scottishness of that (laughs) statement. To be honest I, with you, Nolan. I am quite curious. Before we get into the uh, movie we picked, can you name mo- more than one Proclaimers song? That one, and the one from Shrek. Okay, I'll consider you an honorary Scot then. Thank you very much. They, they are the two I, I will be able to give you. There is a great movie in, that came out in 2012 I will recommend to you called Sunshine on Leith, which is a Proclaimers musical. Get on that whenever you can. Sounds very Scottish, Nolan. Well, so am I. That's very true. That is very (laughs) true. But yes, today, I think this movie we're talking about is fairly obviously in honour of the recent release of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. The MCU, the latest addition to the MCU that's doing very well. And is also excellent. Now, Nolan, you 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 have yet to see Shang yeah. Chi and the Legend this of is, the Ten Rings. This is quite a sad thing because since the Avengers, I have always seen every Marvel movie on opening day, and I had to break that streak because there are certain COVID restrictions to uh, traveling now to Amber countries where my parents live and coming back to the UK. So I have spent the last ten days in isolation. I've tested negative uh, both times, so we're good. good. However, I would like to use this podcast as an opportunity to say, fuck you, UK government. Stop charging an arm and a leg for COVID tests, you fucking wankers. Well, there we go. There we go. The bold political statements are back. Not that they may be incorrect or correct. You know, whatever you may believe, we do not necessarily unless it's evil hate you for what you believe regardless regardless nolan it's unfortunate that you have yet to see shang chi and the legend of the ten rings because i think that movie is a fantastic hollywood kind of showing its appreciation for the history of Chinese martial arts and Chinese fantasy movies. In a weird way, that's also exactly what I think this movie we're talking about today is Enter the Dragon, which is, of course, probably the most famous universally martial arts movie in in the world. Certainly Bruce Lee's most famous movie that uh, was his most successful 
And obviously it's got a little bit of sadness to it because only a couple of months after he finished filming this movie, he finished production on this movie, he passed away at the age of 32, very tragically. So wasn't quite able to see the massive success that this movie was. And, you know, his, his legacy is something we have talked about previously on this show when we've done a couple of martial arts movies in in recent months, actually, haven't we, Nolan? That which has been fun. I remember doing the, the Fist of Fury, which was a Bruce Lee movie, and One-Armed Swordsman, which, which was, was certainly a more... Yeah, certainly a more fantasy martial arts movie, that one. But how familiar were you with Enter the Dragon? Very familiar. Oh, all I knew about it was that it was Bruce Lee's most famous movie. It's the one that like most people recommend to me when I ask for martial arts recommendations. And, you know, going into that, I thought it would be, okay, maybe this is going to be slightly overhyped for me. But no, this combines everything I love about like James Bond movies Oh, international yeah. thrillers and the martial arts stuff plus comic booky storytelling it's uh this is another addition to what i would call my perfect movie list where i have mm. movies that set out to do one thing one premise and they just nail it perfectly and i could see myself watching this again and again once i am able to leave the flat and i get my university funding i will go and hunt for the blu-ray of this movie amongst other bruce lee films and uh I believe also it was one of the influences for Shang-Chi. I mean, uh, there is actually a big debate going on with Shang-Chi now, whereas, like, is it more for the Asian-American audience or for the Chinese market? Because, you know, China has its own uh, movie stars and its own sort of Hollywood there. So they don't really need Shang-Chi as much as I think Asian-Americans do. But I think, like you said, that's also the case with this movie. It's Bruce Lee's first English-speaking Hollywood film, and... Sadly, it, I, it, was, it was the last movie he did, right? Yeah, it wasn't technically the last movie he was in that was released. But, like I said, he passed away two months after this movie wrapped production. It was the last movie he ever made, yes. Yes, well, it it's a great swan song for him, I'll say that much. It's a perfect swan song for him. Because what we saw in... Fist of Fury, which we did talk about, go and back and listen to that episode uh, if you haven't listened to it already. But that was only two years, maybe even one year before Enter the Dragon. But you see a development in Bruce Lee's kind of acting, even in that short space of time. And I suppose they are different movies. Something like Fist of Fury is very much a martial arts showpiece. And while Enter the Dragon is centered around a a martial arts tournament, like you said before, it plays like a Bond movie. It's an espionage thriller with Bruce Lee skulking around a drug dealer's island a drug lord's island trying to find out what's going on and it's full of 70s bond vibes i mean it is one of the most gloriously 70s movies you could possibly watch as well the amount of turtlenecks in this movie nolan is just 
flawless. My face turns into the heart-eyes emoji whenever anybody wears a turtleneck in this movie, which is 95% of the time. They're either wearing turtlenecks or they are wearing martial arts uniforms. There is no other outfit, apart from Bruce Lee, who wears his own. I know you have uh, a certain collection of turtlenecks up in your place. Do you have any martial arts uniforms? I would fail miserably if I attempted any sort of martial arts, Nolan. I, I am not agile enough. I don't think it's a martial art, but I could see you being good at fencing. Fencing? Is that because it's very... Why? I'm intrigued. Why? I don't know. You, you've got that swashbuckler vibe about you. That Three Musketeers oh, okay. kind of thing. You just want me to be Errol Flynn now, don't you? <laughs> is that is that your game? That, that is my game. Uh, I bet you've, you've probably missed my games for this month that I've been gone. I have? I have? That's what I'm saying. I'm very excited. I'm very happy. You're back as much as uh, obviously. I love doing shows with Janine. We have a particularly different vibe to our episodes don't we know it has to be said order um, and chaos that's our vibe or just general chaos but what's wrong with a bit of chaos every now and again well this movie Appreciate shows that having a bit of chaos is great and i would be i would be silly if i did not mention john saxon in this movie because... I love John Saxon in this movie. He spends the entire movie gambling <laughs> sneakily. Uh, I mean, when I first saw his character, I was a bit edgy because, like, I know John Saxon's a great character actor and everything. You know, you've seen him in things like Nightmare on Elm Street and yeah. a lot of horror movies where he just does these little appearances. He sadly passed away recently as well. But yeah, it wasn't when I... too long ago, actually, wasn't it? Yeah, when I first saw him in this movie, I thought, oh shit, is this going to be one of those Hollywood makes the white guys really good at martial arts for no reason type of things? But then he kind of makes you buy it. Like, he's not as skilled as Bruce Lee or some of the other martial artists, no. but the guy can hold his own in a fight. Of course he can. They hired John Saxon because he was a black belt in karate. This wasn't huh. just get a white man to play the second lead. This was a get an actual martial artist as well as being a good actor that John Saxon is. So why was John Saxon never in the Karate Kid? Like, have uh, him that, play Terry Silver instead. I mean, maybe we could have redeemed Terry. No, because I like John Saxon. I don't need him playing Terry Silver. Get out of my face, Terry Silver. And then how would you bring him back? John Saxon is no longer with us. And John Saxon is also older than the gentleman who played Terry Silver by some way. Yes, but regardless of that, I, I love the way the movie's set up. It's like, first up, it straight up shows you everything you need to know about Bruce Lee's character, like the way he views honor and how mm. to do a proper fight and everything. And for a minute you think, oh shit, this guy's kind of harsh with how he deals with it, but when you really think about it, fighting and the world of that, it's a harsh environment and you need someone like Bruce Lee who's got that kind of iron heart to survive in it. So it makes you buy him as the hero for this. And then we get into the whole drug lordy thing and the whole this guy. I mean, the villain in this movie, I'm going to straight up start. This guy's a straight up fucking super villain. 
He is. He's a Bond villain. He's a he's a comic book villain. He actually at one point gets called a comic book villain uh, by yeah. Williams, who I love in this movie, who is quite possibly the king of turtlenecks in this movie. Some of Williams's outfits have just the most shocking contrast of turtleneck to overcoat. It's like yellow and deep red that you would never think would ever work. But he pulls it off flawlessly. And I know I get caught up on the aesthetic of a turtleneck and a blazer or a turtleneck and an overcoat. But they just look so good, Nolan. I can't help it. I understand your love for turtlenecks. I personally cannot pull off a turtleneck. But it takes a certain kind of man to do that, and I believe you are one of those men. I'd like to think so, otherwise I've really ruined my own wardrobe if I can't pull off a well, turtleneck. Well, if... by the next time you see me, I'm going to have pierced ears and blonde hair, so we'll see who's pulling oh. off the fashion statement there. Oh, well, go for it. Why not? Why ever not? But, yeah, I mean, like, like I said before, I think it acts really well as a a hollywood movie because it is a hollywood movie it's an english language movie it's you know we we have been used to seeing bruce lee speak in in cantonese and in you know and have mandarin as well spoken in his movies but he's speaking english in this movie this is an english language movie made in or made by Hollywood. Um, but it does show a hell of a lot of love and appreciation for the Chinese martial arts movies that came before, the Chinese action movies that came before it. And like some of the ones we have talked about previously on this show, but also it does, it, it's, it's a, such a great middle ground because you can see why this would be popular with Eastern audiences for its martial arts, for its philosophy, for its kind of, for obviously Bruce Lee being the most enormous Eastern movie star of the, of the time, showing him at his absolute best. But the structure of it and the kind of story of it is like, like I said, like a Bond movie, like a spy thriller, like something that's so common in Western movies. You know, infiltrating the secret base under the guise of being something else. You, you, it's all very secret agent. You even get Nolan, the horrifically stereotypical English guy who sends him on the quest in the first place. Oh yeah, that's uh, Bruce Lee's M, as I'm calling the guy. Bruce Lee's M, Braithwaite, who <sighs> that sounds like a of brand of tea. Braithwaite, it does. <laughs> they have made this character the most painfully English person ever, and he, but he really, it really, really fits. And you, you referred to this earlier as one of your perfect movies because a perfect movie to you is a movie that sets out to do something and entirely succeeds at that. So what for you 
did this movie set out to do? Because what it set out to do for me is meld the styles of filmmaking of China and Hong Kong and Hollywood. And it created what could have been a mess, what could have turned out to be really uneven and, and feel like it's neither one thing nor the other, ends up being the best of both. I feel I'm of that mindset too, because uh, the way Chinese films and like Eastern films and Western films are done are very different narratively. And there is that fear that, oh, if you mesh them together, or then you're going to get something that could appear like a mess. But you get that here and you get a real sign that the filmmakers and Bruce Lee and everyone involved respected each other's qualities. Like they respected what each source of the story was coming from and everything like that. And they brought it together into this really fun and well-paced. I got to clarify, this movie is so well-paced. Usually when we're talking about movies on the show, I do tend to bring up that sometimes the pacing feels a little bit off in older films compared to like what we're used to nowadays. Not the case with this. This movie is paced absolutely perfectly. The action scenes, you can feel every hit. And even the acting and the stuff between characters is usually stuff that I would skip over in a martial arts film where I would check out a bit. But here you're drawn into how every character works and interacts with Bruce Lee's character and with each other. And you know I love me a good villain. This guy oh, yeah. is the most disastrously evil chewing the scenery kind of bad guy but twirling if he had a mustache yeah but it doesn't come off as cheesy like it could come off as something like really silly like a family movie villain but he comes off as extremely intimidating and just the way like certain elements are framed like in his office when williams goes to see him because he thinks williams is the one that infiltrated him and just yeah. the little subtle details in the back, like you see his uh, henchmen like coming in through the glass window just before they smash right in. I love stuff like that. And I mean, if we're going to talk spoilers, I freaking choked up yeah. when I saw that they had killed Williams. I, I genuinely no. felt like I had lost the character I'd love. And that's that's not something I see a lot in Bond-related films. I don't genuinely get attached to the characters that much unless it's like Casino Royale. I watch Bond movies for the fun action, the locations, and the villain. Yeah. But here, you get attached to all the characters. You get attached to John Saxon's character. You get attached to Williams. You get attached to Bruce Lee. You understand why he's going for this because I believe the setup of the movie is that uh, his sister or something was at this uh, drug lord place and was killed. Yes, or, or was forced to uh, commit suicide, actually, yes. by Mr. Han's main bodyguard, O'Hara, who is the, the hairiest man on the villain. planet. Yeah. He's the odd job. He's the uh, like Bond henchman villain of this movie, and he is great as well. And he has all the stereotypes that you would have with that, you know, kind of like, oh, you can't bring this guy down. This guy's presented as like tough and can kick anybody's ass and then when he does get brought down you get that level of satisfaction he gets brought down like the big truck he is as well the bigger they are the harder they fall has never been more obvious than when you're talking about o'hara in this movie and i mean he ends up he ends up dead but like mr han doesn't even really hate Bruce Lee at this point for for doing that because 
O'Hara overstepped a line and he recognizes this. It's a very interesting, there's a lot of interesting kind of character dynamics with this. It is heavy focus on, on honor and that kind of stuff. And, you know, we just kind of want to, we don't want to let off more than we ever feel like we need to. Is I think a lot of the characters kind of thought process in this movie. Uh, Definitely. I feel like if we hadn't had this movie and it wasn't as successful as it was, Shang-Chi, the movie out now, that character would not exist. Uh, like, I mean, I, I admittedly, I am unfamiliar with the origins of the character of Shang-Chi. He feels like he, a character that would have come about in the 70s. He's based off of Bruce Lee, I believe. Well, then that makes sense, then. But, like, I could, I'm imagining sort of a different scenario in my head if Bruce Lee hadn't died. I think we might have gotten a Shang-Chi movie much sooner. And I feel like if it, it was still the case that we waited until now till we got a Shang-Chi movie, I think Bruce Lee would have played the role that Tony Lung plays in the movie. I mean, Bruce Lee's significantly older. You could mm-hmm. have had some sort of hypothetical, uh, very old, wise Bruce Lee as a cameo in something like this. But even, I mean, you've just bring it up. You've just brought it up in 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 Tony Leung there. Shang Chi itself, the new movie, is. Also, like I said, this kind of great blend of the best of Hollywood movies, because obviously it's the MCU and there is no, think about the movies, whatever you think about the movies, but there is no, there has been no more successful way of making movies in history than what that franchise has done. But it clearly shows a hell of a lot of respect to the country it's basing its story around, as well as casting one of that country's biggest stars of the past couple of decades in Tony Leon, who is enormous in China. And we we should all go and watch In the Mood for Love for another great Tony Leon performance. Also watch Hard Boiled and Infernal Affairs. Also those movies. There you go, see? Massive actor massive factor and that's just what the, that's what enter the dragon does for me itself i i i agree with you there that it kind of you wouldn't get so much more that we have got without this movie being such a success but in that way it's kind of impossible to think of a world where this movie hasn't been a success i certainly don't like thinking like that you know yeah it's uh it's definitely if you have a list of 100 movies that you need to watch like if you're a film fan i would definitely put this as like as definitely as one of them yeah it's it's an it's a very very important kind of cultural movie i suppose it's of its uh, certainly of its genre and it's, you know, the martial arts crime genre is a very big movie genre. So why would you not 
as a movie fan who is kind of discovering movie history and different types of movies, why would you not think about this movie? Because it's the most successful, you know, universally worldwide, the most well-known worldwide martial arts movie. Of course it should be on there. Yeah, and it, and if you like this, I mean, it's a great gateway into Bruce Lee, like going into his career before yeah. he went to Hollywood. Like, go and watch Fist of Fury and The Way of the Dragon and all the other stuff that he did. It's just seeing it, I can see where all the love for martial arts kind of started from. I think this movie would definitely have played a part into like a lot of film fans in America sort of discovering and respecting Chinese filmmaking as a result of it. And yeah. The, the fun thing is about Into the Dragon and a lot of Bruce Lee's work, like this carries on to his other films as well, it is a different style of filmmaking, but it's just as fun, it's just as well-paced, it's just as, just as well-acted, it's just as well-written as a lot of things that you would see here. Like I, I, this, this might make me sound like a bit of a snob, but when I see a lot of uh, martial arts films that are made nowadays that are not made in China or, or are made in America now, they do come off as just very cheesy. Like uh, something like the most recent Mortal Kombat, which I know has like a majority Asian cast and everything, yeah, but doesn't have like that sort of respect for the culture that I feel that it could have gone further on. And you get some things where they're like joke martial arts films where it's like, I don't know, you it, this probably doesn't exist, but there's probably a movie that like this that exists, like where you get someone like Will Ferrell and he's suddenly a martial arts guy. Like that's the kind of stuff I, that I, I don't like. But I think this movie shows that you can have a well-respected, well-made film, well, a, a film that you could study that is still fun as hell to watch. Like if you got assigned this as a film assessment for a college class or something, you would not not enjoy it. I can't imagine anybody not enjoying it. No, it's just that extra, you know, you're speaking about that kind of extra level of care, an extra level of thought that goes into making a movie, rather than just making a movie because, oh, this movie's going to be fun, a fun action movie. You're making a fun action movie that actually also means something. That's, that's what this movie does very well for me. And while being a fun action movie, and a fun martial arts movie. It's like really dark. So There's... dark. It's straight up like 70s comic books. It is. And this is again why I think it just plays well as such a perfect 70s movie. Is As we all know, movies in the 70s like to deal with horrifically serious topics. Whilst not necessarily being massively serious themselves. This deals with like heroin addiction and it doesn't kind of hold back on it but it's all in the guise of let's take down the drug baron that's doing it all let's host let's you know win this martial arts tournament and we spend way more time dealing with that but then we get these really it reminded me of weirdly of the suicide squad this year where all of a sudden in the middle of this really fun silly wacky violent movie we get this really dark horror movie about people you know about the a, a parasite taking over people's bodies 
and the government playing their part in it and all that and exactly. like the anti-American shit. Like that that was like surprising. Was- like th- this is the kind of stuff that Enter the Dragon does well also. Absolutely. Absolutely. It you know, you're not supposed to have any kind of you're not supposed to show any kind of um sympathy for Mr. Han. Like you say, he is a moustache twirling chew the scenery comic book James Bond villain. And he plays it really, really perfectly. He does. I, I like to refer to him actually as 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 Chinese Dracula because I think his hair looks like Dracula. He's got that kind That's of Bela Lugosi really vibe about him. He's just no it's just really because of his hair. <laughs> if you look at his hair, he's just got the perfect vampire head of hair. It's weird. That's maybe yeah. just me who focuses on that kind of nonsense in this movie. I don't know. And I'm wondering if this is the movie that... Does this movie also star a young Jackie Chan? It does. In the yes. flashback sequence, I think I saw a young Jackie Chan. I think he's in a couple of scenes. I'm not quite sure, actually, which couple he's in. But I know Bruce Lee beats him up, basically. Yeah. But he, yes, it does star a young Jackie Chan. Yeah, and uh, th- that's another guy's movies that I would like to cover on the show one day, like some of the older ones that Jackie Chan did, because... If this year has taught me anything, like my sort of search for finding foreign films and things like this, I fucking, I'm excited about learning about movies again because I was getting bored of the kind of samey stuff that I kept seeing in Western media. And this has just like opened my mind to so many ways to tell stories and just, you respect it, but it's also like, I feel like I'm respecting it from a distance because I would never attempt to write a story like this way because obviously I'm not Chinese so I don't really have the knowledge to write about a Chinese style story in that way but knowing how they're done and respecting it it's like I feel like I can engage more with the media than I could before yeah yeah look you you open yourself up to so much more appreciation of 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 movies and you do I, I understand the idea of feeling like you've fallen in love with watching movies again when you open yourself up to watching more non-English language movies because sometimes you just need a you just need to switch up the vibes. Yeah, and this was like a perfect switching up the vibes. This was like a perfect mix of oh, it's the kind of movie that you already know and like mixed yeah. with a perspective that uh, you're getting into and meshes really well with it and. I mean, if you want to talk great hero versus villain scenes, I mean, we got to talk oh. about that Hall of Mirrors scene. It's, it's, I mean, it is, to use a slightly overused phrase, it is absolutely iconic as an action movie scene. Bruce Lee versus Mr. Han in the Hall of Mirrors is a phenomenal action set piece. It's so tense. You don't know if up is down, left's, left's right, inside's outside or backwards is forwards, Nolan. And I generally perfect. was wondering, I was thinking, I don't, I know he's probably not going to, but I felt like Bruce Lee might lose in that scene. Because Mr. Han, it's the guy... the best kind of... Put up some this, fight. He has a claw hand, Nolan. That's straight up he, a comic book villain kind of is. thing. 
It's comic book villain. It's James Bond villain. How many James Bond villains can you name who don't actually have their own limbs? Doctor No. Other people that I was just thinking of Doctor No mainly. But Doctor No doesn't have his own hands, does he? He has, no. like, weird... Uh, fuck, Raul Silver from Skyfall doesn't have his own teeth. No, he doesn't. Uh, That's Jaws, true. obviously, doesn't have Jaws. his own teeth. Uh, oh, God, what, what, why weird. is my mind going to that guy from Thunderball? He didn't have his own eye. He wears an eye patch, yes, Largo. Goldfinger's got a gold finger. He hasn't really, but wouldn't that just be better? True. Uh, I believe uh, Robert Shaw from, from Russia with Love also has like some scars and stuff. Le Chief mm-hmm. weeps blood. Yeah, th- those little GI. those little details are what I love about Bond villains, but also like with Mr. Han, it's straight up because you could have a villain in this movie just be this kind of serious drug lord kind of, oh, I am the drug lord and you will listen to me. But to have one like that who can still chew the scenery and have fun yeah. with being a villain is just so rewarding. Like th- those are the kind of villains I like. Like I can enjoy a villain who's just so good at enchanting dialogue and just great at speaking their mind and like wrestling mentally with the character. But I also love a villain who can do that plus hold their own in a fight. Yeah. And he is, he, he is very, he's very good at fighting Mr. Han. And he's also very, very charismatic. I mean, frankly, everybody in the movie is very, very charismatic. It what it's what draws you into the movie in the first place. It's like you said before, it's why you get so invested in every single character because they are so charismatically performed in these different ways. We've spoken before about just how captivating an actor Bruce Lee is. When he, even when he's just kind of moving around, you can't take your eyes off him because he just oozes this natural charisma. And it's not something everybody has. But he's just very fortunate. You know, he was very, very fortunate that alongside the level of dedication and work he put into making himself this kind of perfect martial artist, he had this natural engrossing charisma that he's so so on show in this movie all the time and i do think had he not died i think we might have gotten a shang chi movie like in the blade era of comic book movies like it might have been one of the first (sighs) ones yeah who can say who can say you 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 would you would have liked to think so you would have yeah, people on Twitter, instead of debating the best Spider-Man, would be debating, who's a better Shang-Chi, Bruce Lee or Simi Liu? Nolan, you know full well that you spend most of your time on Twitter debating Spider-Man, so I don't know why you're calling yourself out. Hey, I, I don't get involved in the stupid arguments over Toby versus Andrew versus Holland. I think they've all got their Are good qualities. Are you sure? They have all got their I... good qualities. I don't believe you. I'm sure I've seen you getting into heated, violent arguments with people on Twitter about Spider-Man. But I would like to live in a world where people are arguing about that with Shang-Chi portrayals. I mean, it would be it would be a little bit nicer, a little bit different. I mean, we're we're probably going to get it with uh, Blade. Oh yeah, of course we are. 
of course we are. We don't like um, we don't like unnecessary arguments, do we, Nolan? They, they are unnecessary. No, and we don't like things that are unnecessary. What's Mind you, I've never thing? seen what you're like at a football match, so who knows? Oh, that's true. Actually, I mean, who am I to talk when football comes into? I mean, do I don't you, consider that unnecessary, though. So. Do you get into football chance? Nolan, that's not even a question, is it really? Do you do the whole he's got a plant pot on his head? No, no. Sky I, TV no, I is fucking silly. shit. No. I don't be silly about it. I'm not an I'm not a moron. I'm just a passionate football fan. I don't I don't like start messing around with all the people there. That's just stupid watch the game you've gone to watch anyway so morgan is not like the football fans portrayed in ted lasso probably not no although there's a there's something that can shock you all morgan still has not seen any episode of ted lasso you would probably enjoy it i probably would it's about football so i probably would It, it seems like a very very sweet show but I don't think I have. I don't have Apple TV, <laughs> and it's a weird. I, I don't want to get a weird streaming service just for one show. Fair enough. But uh, you're about to enter the dragon. I, this is one of those. Sadly, this happens a lot when we talk about movies that are. I think are perfect. I end up not really having much to say about them, other than why I think they're really fun, and these episodes usually run shorter. I'm not sure I could say more about Enter the Dragon than we already have. Besides, well, it's a great action movie and a great movie in and of itself. Like, it's way better than it has any right to be. Well, I would like to talk about the sound design in this Oh, yes. Okay, bring that on. Because, obviously, it is made in such a way that Chinese movies were made at the time and some non-Chinese movies, some Hollywood movies were made like this, European movies were made like this, where they film all the um, you know, all the visual stuff first, recording no sound, and then all the sound is added later in AR and dub and you know, sound effects and all that good stuff. In a martial arts movie, when you get the, I'm going to use the word wapow, of every single punch and kick, it's so satisfying to listen to. Every single time somebody gets whacked in the face is just wachow, 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 with the perfect sound. Who, whoever the foley artist of enter the dragon was i applaud you my friend because you are exquisite at your job these sounds and the sound design is so so good so good i love the noise of fist fights when it's when it when it's done properly you know, when it's done properly, when it's done in a fun way, when it's not trying to be like, ooh, thud, 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 boring, boring, boring. Enter the Dragon knows it's a movie. Enter the Dragon wants to entertain you. And for me, 
the sound design, as boring as that may sound, is one of the most entertaining aspects of this whole movie. The music's great as well. The music, you know, it's not necessarily something you think a lot about, but it adds to the tense, you know, to the intensity of some scenes. It adds to the kind of fun atmosphere of some scenes. There are a couple of, like, party scenes in the movie where everybody's dancing around and drinking and eating and there's weird kind of wrestling matches going on. So I really like the music in this as well. I just, I think sound and music is an aspect of movies that we don't tend to focus a great deal on on this show. But I think it was really worth just mentioning. I mean, without one, just great because... sound design, then you lose a major part of what draws you into the spell that movies cast on you. Like, uh, I mean, I, I've studied sound design in some of the video essays that I've done, and like, it has changed a lot of like, like I sort of look out for like certain sound effects in movies and stuff. Like, uh, there's a great uh, video essay on uh, online about uh, the sound design in Harry Potter. Like, what does oh. magic sound like, and how did they manage to get the sounds for that? Uh, that, that, that's really magic sounds. No, Janine would hate me if I if I um, started humming. I'll I'll call it humming, but I don't hum the Hedwig's theme from from Harry Potter. It's something I do when I'm bored sometimes. Say like when we have just finished a recording session, and I will just every so often just go. Dwing, 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 dwing. And she gets really annoyed by it every single time. <laughs> That's what magic sounds like, Nolan. Well, uh, maybe you could start humming some wapow sounds and some wapow. Enter the Dragon music and see how that annoys Janine. Yeah, or I'll just wear some more John Saxon turtlenecks. D do that. And also, what's the guy who plays Williams called? He's called. I don't know the actor's name. Uh, he's called Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly. He was better at the turtlenecks. Is he better. still with us? I have no idea. I have no idea. I will. I will. I will check. I can. I can give you that information. Unfortunately, not. Well, he is also he dead. passed away in 2013. I mean, this is, you know, this movie's 1973, and whilst 1973 may feel like a recent movie compared to most others that we've yeah, we on are in, podcast, we are in 2021, still, and the last 10 days have felt like 10 years, at least in my case. It's still a 48-year-old movie, Nolan. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's approaching retirement. That's an early retirement age. It's approaching upper class retirement. That is a fair statement. <laughs> I think that is a fair statement. I would want to ask you though: Is Lee's fight with Mister Han the best fight in the movie, or is it actually like now? It might be the best set piece, but is it the best fight? Because it's not my favorite fight. Is your favorite fight the one earlier in the movie where Bruce Lee is first getting into the martial arts tournament? No, but that's also a good fight. My favorite fight is where he just plows through all those dudes in the cave. That That is straight up some James Bond stuff. 
It is. He has the nunchucks out. You know how much I love Bruce Lee and the nunchucks and the little, you know, kind of 30 seconds showcase of, oh, I'm Bruce Lee. I'm so good with the nunchucks and the one dude, he's just looking in awe at him. It's just so cool. You used to play with nunchucks as a child, did you not? I don't think so. Are you thinking of somebody else? Uh, no, I'm sure I saw a set of nunchucks and a samurai sword in your oh, yes, den. That's right. That's, um, I mean, you regularly just go out into that field in your house and just practice. Yeah. I, I'm secretly a absolute genius with a pair of nunchucks. Yeah, Morgan is secretly uh, Danny Rand. Oh, don't start saying that. <laughs> that makes me sound horrible now. That's not that's not who I want to be, Nolan. No, you do that's not. not but who I want you you are better than Danny Rand. I do not want to be the white guy that saves martial arts. <laughs> that is not my lot in life, Nolan, please. Although uh, I'm going to start that. taking fencing classes, so maybe I'll take you to a fencing class when I next see you. Have you been watching too much fencing in the Olympics this summer? Is this where this is kind of obsession with fencing has come from now? It might be, yes. I did watch a fair bit of the Olympics while I was abroad. I also wanted to get tickets to the Paralympics, but I hear the parking's going to be an absolute bastard. <sighs> <laughs> I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. Although, when I was watching the Paralympics, it was just depressing. Like, I can't throw a disc at this and I've got arms. Yes, yes. uh, Yes. But I enjoy the Paralympics and the Olympics quite a lot. You're just trying out some of your jokes now. Pretty much. (laughs) Which I appreciate. But no, my absolute favourite fight in in this movie is where you just kind of powers through 50 dudes in the cave after fully finding out the extent of what Mr. Hunt's doing with his drug business on this island. And he he doesn't stand for it anymore. So he beats everybody to a pulp. I should also add, I love in that scene, the thing with the snake. That is really cool. I am terrified of snakes. I wouldn't be able to do it. Respect to Bruce Lee, because that was a real fucking snake. Oh, yeah. Using it to his advantage to get in and out the uh, base and everything, and fucking, like, going near it and grabbing it by the head. I mean, snakes are slippery. I deal with snakes in Cyprus. It is not pretty. The last thing I want to do is slap a snake. He, He slaps that snake a good four times. I don't know how he gets away with that without getting... I mean, I presume, okay, the snake's in the movie. It's probably a safe snake, you know? It's probably not going to kill everybody by spitting venom at them. I don't know. Bruce Lee was pretty hardcore, so I imagine he brought on the most dangerous python that he could find just to show that he could do it. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't put it past him, but there's got to be safety measures in in, in play. It was was either a non-venomous snake or it was defanged. Yeah. Still, 
I like the. I, li- I do like the scene with the snake too. It's very sneaky. I like how casual he is in that scene because he puts this snake in this computer room. I'm going to call it because basically it's a room with a load of buttons that goes beep boop beep boop beep and sounds like R two D two. Or it also sounds like the inventing room from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory that just goes beep, beep, beep. Uh, It's one of those computer rooms from the 70s. And there's two guys in there and they are terrified by the snake. And Bruce Lee just sat there with his knuckle on his chin, looking the most bored he's ever looked. And he's just like, yeah, this is nothing. Yeah, you go and run off like... A pair of morons, and I'll save the day. Sweet. So, I mean, I think that'll more or less wrap us up on Into the Dragon. Yes, I I, I mean, like you said, this is a celebration episode. This is just, this movie's great, and here are the reasons why. Go and celebrate this movie at a time now, like we said, in honour of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Which I will be seeing right now as this episode right is now. going up. Oh, that's nice, yeah. isn't it? Oh, how, how convenient. How lovely. It all fits together. I like mm. that. I like that. But if you like that movie, you know, go back and watch this movie because this is the perfect gateway movie to older martial arts movies. And I know you said before you wouldn't mind doing some Jackie Chan, some old yeah. Jackie Chan movies on uh, on the show. It would have to be very old Jackie Chan movies, as you know my stubbornness when it comes to yes, doing uh, movies that are too late in the and year. Sadly, I think like Peace Story and things like that came out in the 80s and the 90s. And we don't, we don't accept that. We barely, no, because if no, we, if we, we end up doing 80s movies, 70s. then Morgan's going to hate me because I'm going to make him watch John Hughes movies. Which is not acceptable for its wonderful podcast. That is a totally different topic of conversation for a totally different style of show. Not a show that celebrates older movies made in a different time. No, Even though that was a different time, but you know what I mean? Well, uh, I do have some things to touch on in the news department. Oh, well, please do. But it's not movie news. Oh. You know what, Morgan? I'm finally going to give in to your fucking Manchesterness. You're going to like me for this. I (laughs) am, as of now, I am a Manchester United supporter. And guess who is coming back on the next game who I believe we are both excited about? Mr. No, Cristiano and... Ronaldo is returning to Manchester do, United. Do you feel like you have to you have to tell me these things? I've been crying for for weeks. <laughs> uh, I suppose you are I actually I imagine you're the kind of person who's got season tickets and is probably watching certainly the game have, at Old Certainly have, yes. That's exactly what I'm doing. That's exactly what I, I won't be able to speak all week. I'll just be. I, I'll, the it, this is not a place for Morgan's flabbergasted love of football coming out, Nolan. 
This is right. this is how I annoy Janine on the Patreon live streams on a Sunday. Yes, but I'm I'm your friend, so I want to take interest in the things that you like. And I happen to like football, and I like Manchester United. I really respect Marcus Rashford a hell of a lot. He's one of my favorite players now. And Cristiano Ronaldo coming back. This There couldn't be a better time for me to get back into watching the Premier League. No, I don't think they could. I don't think they could, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. And we're, we're playing Newcastle this coming Saturday. Newcastle, yes. 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 Uh, sadly, I was thinking of uh, going to watch some old firm games like Glasgow and Rangers and that, but when I was looking into the teams and the history of them, in good conscience, I really couldn't choose either one. No, 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 no. You, you have to have been born into either being a, a Celtic fan or a Rangers fan. You can't. My dad's a Celtic you fan. You can't so. pick one. If your dad's a Celtic fan, then you are a Celtic fan. I suppose and so. I, that's just what happens. There is no. That rivalry is way too historically violent i'll just do say you, do you guys have be... any rivalries like that in england oh united versus liverpool united yeah well uh, Leeds. it's gonna be quite hard for liverpool to show themselves in a fight with that ronald mcdonald outfit that they've got for their new kit <laughs> <laughs> oh this is not this is not what how i was expecting to end this week's episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast. Ronald McDonald running around playing for Liverpool. I love it. They do look like... They, that's exactly what it looks like. Why does it look like Ronald McDonald's outfit? I don't know. I mean, I oh. like the old Liverpool kit design, if I'm honest. like I don't get why they had to change it. Oh, Nolan, they change it every year. It's money, 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 money. I suppose. But I'm glad the Manchester United kit has somewhat stayed the same it's still the same color palette so i will go into town tomorrow i will purchase a manchester united top maybe with my name oh, on it you're, oh you're going all out you're going all out i appreciate i will it. find a nice sports bar to watch the game because if you have not bought season tickets for the premier league unfortunately i learned that getting tickets for individual games you might as well be a billionaire well it's not that bad <laughs> uh it's not that that that's a, that's a bit extreme. There's no need for that kind of it's, just it's remark. Not, it's not cheap. I'll say that much. And it's I'm only cheap. I'm only coming down to England this year to watch uh, Cinderella and the Ocean at the End of the Lane on the West End. Okay, well that's fair enough. You know, theatre and all that business. Yes, but but uh, uh, if I get a chance to come to a Manchester United game, I'm sure I would see you there. You certainly would. You certainly would. We might have to, might have to arrange something, Nolan. Definitely. Have, but, uh, but, then, we... but then again, you would never look at me in the same way again. Even after watching United versus some nothing team like Burnley. <laughs> and I, I, I don't care. I don't care if there's any Burnley fans listening to this. There's I, those I dudes from the Inbetweeners movie. That's it. Yeah. I don't care. And for our because... American listeners, I am going to describe Burnley in a way that will make you despise them as much as Morgan does. I don't despise. They... No, this is my. No, that's my. 
that was the point I was making, Nolan. I do not despise Burnley in any way. I have zero feelings to Burnley, but I would still get intense at a football match because United. Well, for our American listeners, there was a show called The Inbetweeners that was quite popular when me and Morgan were young. It's basically four four kids who are uh, in sixth form and they get up to shenanigans. There is a scene in the Inbetweeners movie in which a bunch of Burnley fans ruin the coach trip for everyone by consistently singing the theme tune to a football club that I first heard of when I saw that movie. (laughs) And as Will in the Inbetweeners movie says, if anyone asks me if I like football, I'll say, yes, I do like football. But not Burnley. Burnley can fuck off. <laughs> and I think that is where we will end. For some reason, that statement is where we will end this episode of It's a Wonderful Podcast, where we've been talking about Enter the Dragon. If there was one statement that I thought was going to end this show, Nolan, it, it would never, ever, ever, ever have been that one. But I appreciated that nonetheless. Anyway, this show, the main show, It's a Wonderful Podcast itself, is not the only show you can find on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. We have Morgan Hasn't Seen every Wednesday with me and Janine. Janine forces me to watch movies that I haven't seen. Right now, we're in the middle of a teacher movies series because it's September and schools are back and all that good stuff. We talked about the Goldie Horn movie Wildcats this past week, uh, where she plays a football coach in the 1986. And next week is going to be a pretty intense one, actually, on a pretty emotional one. One Morgan hasn't seen. We're talking Mr. Holland's Opus. So there you go. Morgan hasn't seen is always a fun time. On a Wednesday, we also have Machine Mondays every Monday with Janine talking all her schmodown things, which obviously is always wonderful on there as well. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have you covered here on the It's a Wonderful podcast feed. You can find us on uh, everywhere podcasts are found. That is Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, CastBox, and all the rest of them. On Twitter, at It's a Wonderful One, we have the It's a Wonderful Podcast YouTube channel. You go and subscribe over there, do your notification bell dings and all that good stuff. We also have the It's a Wonderful Podcast Patreon, if you are feeling particularly generous and would like to support us on there as well. Just go to patreon.com slash It's a Wonderful One, find the tier that's right for you. You can find me on Twitter at the purple don with a three instead of the E in the because three is, of course, the magic number on Instagram at the purple don and Nolan. All your great stuff is where at Nolan Dean 27 on Twitter at Nolan Dean right on Instagram and on my YouTube channel. Guess what? Another podcast has came back. Yeah, uh, I started out with season two of the creator's conscience where I was talking with Emery Lee. Uh, as an author who has released a book called Meet Cute Diary that I read over this summer that's very fun. Morgan, I used to think that you would hate YA rom-coms, but since you told me that you watch Never Have I Ever, therefore I you like might be into I've this. Never Have I Ever is great. Yeah. This, uh, this story, Meet Cute Diary, I usually I'm not a rom-com person. I find them hard to enjoy at most times, but this one 
it's a rom-com story that is aware it's a rom-com story and is playing with the tropes in a similar way to how Wes Craven's Scream was aware that it was a slasher film. And it is very, very fun. I would highly recommend buying that book and also check out my interview with Emery. He's a really fun guy. We had a great discussion about writing humor in uh, fiction and how difficult it is because uh, I've started doing stand-up as well. And uh, you can just find me there on uh, Nolan Dean's YouTube channel. Perfect. Lovely stuff. There we go. Go and watch Enter the Dragon. Go and watch Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings because that's great as well. Go and watch Chinese martial arts movies. Open yourself up to that world, everyone. Don't watch a Burnley football match. Do not watch a Burnley football match unless you want to be bored to tears by hard, physical, boring football. And that is where we'll end today. Guys, this is where I will say thank you very much for listening to this episode. Goodbye. And ask Nolan to see us out. Uh, fuck it. Let's, um, Nolan, do you want to hear some JK Rowling jokes? Sure. So, uh, I think when, do you think when JK Rowling goes for a pregnancy test that she brings a sorting hat? (laughs) I'll end you guys there. Perfect.